Welcome back to The Tonight Show. I'm your host, Max Christopher, back again with Malia Petsampu, and today we have a very special guest with us. This is the executive producer of the most recent Scream film, as well as 2019's Ready or Not, and one-third of the production studio Radio Silence, as well as lifelong friend of Mr. Fleck, we have with us Mr. Chad Valela. Chad, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much. No, it's great to be here. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, like Max said, thank you so much, Chad, for being willing to join us. So our first question for you is, would you just mind telling us a bit about your background? Where did you go to high school? And are there any certain members of the Norman community that you may have grown up with? Of the Oh, very good question. Well, I was born a very small baby in Dubois, Pennsylvania in the 1970s. I'm originally from Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, and I went to school at Mercier's College, and I went for research intelligence analysis and political science. I got a job doing that type of work, which was basically international due diligence for ExxonMobil, and I hated it. And I didn't like doing it at all. And I obviously have always been a theater kid too, so I kind of like, I did a lot of plays in college, and I started acting, and from acting, um, then I moved to Pittsburgh after I quit my job at ExxonMobil and decided the corporate life wasn't for me. Acted in Pittsburgh, did some commercials, worked in the South Side for a while, um, did a lot more plays, and then I thought it was time to move to LA. Uh, moved to Los Angeles, went to an acting class, and sat down in the back row next to my current best friend and business partner, Matt Bettinelli Open, and we decided very quickly that we weren't very good at auditioning, which is kind of an important part about being an actor, right? You need a you need an audition. So we said, you know what? Let's not do it that way. Let's just start making our own thing. So we started writing, directing, producing, acting in our own shorts, which we put on YouTube as Chad, Matt, and Rob. That turned into us getting invited to do a segment for a movie, and we didn't know which movie that would be yet. But we said, yeah, we can do a short, and we did it. We wrote, directed, produced it, and did all the visual effects for our segment um, 103198, which was in the movie VHS. Uh, and then after that, that got into Sundance. And then after that, we've been writing movies and uh, working on several TV shows that haven't gotten picked up, but we're still working on that. Uh, so mainly focused on movies and, uh, and really just grew the business out that way and what we do and how we, how we share our work with everybody. Um, what was this part B of that question? I kind of rambled on for a little bit there. Um, just essentially, uh, how are you connected with uh, the newspaper teacher at the high school, Mr. Fleckenstein? So Mr. Fleckenstein, so back to the origins of my story when I was born a tiny little baby in, in, in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. I knew Mr. <laughs> Fleckenstein since then. Um, our parents are best friends. So basically, Mr. Fleckenstein has been my, my closest friend since um, we could take our first steps and then in kindergarten and then all through high school and then we ended up being roommates in college um mainly because we didn't really get along with a lot of other people and we just we, we kind of just got each other but um and we had similar sensibilities in terms of uh what we like to do and how we like to have fun and and uh yeah and then the friendship's always been there so that that's my connection to to the norman community so you kind of—that's all I have. That's the only connection I have. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a pretty good connection, and we do have Fleck uh, here on the Zoom with us. Fleck, if you just want to say hi real quick for everyone, I don't think we've ever had you on either. No, first time, uh, long time listener, first time caller here. So yeah, well. uh, we—we've—it's uh, it, awesome that you got him on. I'm glad we were able to arrange this because, uh, you know, Chad. Really, I, I bring you up often in class, Chad, just to talk about the fact that sometimes 
these seniors and even just ninth graders get so hyper-focused on school and, and you don't always know what you want to do and, and you know always bring you up as something of you have so many opportunities today to go do something and, and make something and, and you know enjoy what you do and, and i think clearly you do from the sounds of it so uh it's pretty awesome that uh you don't get too stressed about it. things a lot of times work themselves out and change and you, know, you got to roll with the punches so yeah i think that's i think that's fantastic advice and i think everybody needs to know that it's it's uh you're not you're not into it you're not like set in any one certain box right if you have interests you should you should pursue those at all costs like and just do what you love because you're going to be doing it every day for hours upon hours and hours and and i think it's very important to focus on what you like um you know i obviously like to like to tell stories and like to like to like to put projects together and i i, I enjoy every every single step of that process and 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 that being said it, it takes up a bunch of different disciplines too right it's like there's a there's a logistical side to it when you're trying to sort out like everything that's going on so if you're good at like organizing you could do that there's the creative element when you're writing or when you're putting a story together or when you're on set improvising because you, you don't have access to um you know a lot of time so you, on set you have to move very quickly and make quick decisions and make sure you're getting everything you need in the scene that's a different part of the brain and then when you're in edit it's the is a whole other side of the brain. So you could you can move pieces of the puzzle around um, and put them together any way, any way that you see fit. Uh, so the one good thing that like I would say about, you know, as you're moving forward and looking into colleges and everything like that too, you want you want to get something where where you could where you where you're pretty well rounded in what you're doing and 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 you you know you can adapt and change because I think I think our current environment of um, professionals in the world is is constantly changing, and and you need to be very fluid in what you can do, and 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 honestly, just roll with the punches, and 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 stay focused and and driven, and also just be very very true to yourself. I think that's that's probably the the biggest lesson of all. It is like do what you love, and and find a way to make that a an important part of your life, and find find the outlets that you need to do that. Um, accessibility right now is is off the charts. There's if you're a storyteller, you're able to tell stories. If you want to make you know videos or or movies or or series of television or anything like that too you can do that i think the doors are going to be open keep opening in terms of what can be done it's just a matter of like finding your voice and just embracing that more than anything um i think that's that's probably one of the more important elements of that is like we always make things and i always make things that entertain me first and then hopefully other people will find it entertaining as well and i think that's an important way to go about any profession you choose moving forward and looking at colleges and, and places you want to go. And this is all obviously stuff you're very passionate about. So was this stuff that you had known you would wanted to do since you were like a little kid in Punxsy or was this something that kind of revealed itself to you once you were up at Erie and Mer at Mercyhurst? Um, was it like a newer uh, interest that you took or have you just been wanting to do this since you were like five years old? No, I, I think it's both, right? I think there were times when, obviously, like some of the more fun memories I've had about, um, like our time in Punxsutawney was like just how creative we were in terms of like entertaining ourselves and how much fun we had. And you know, we grew up in Punxsutawney. There wasn't a lot to do. There wasn't cell phones. Like Nintendo was still eight bit. It, it, it was like you know, there, we were pretty limited in options, but we always found creative ways to to entertain ourselves and to do everything. Um, in our eighth grade graduation, which with, with Mr. Fleck was a part of, um, I, I believe I held a video camera up as like my prop um, that we had to do as like the career path you actually eventually saw yourself 
in. So I knew I had an interest in movies. It, it kind of swayed away from that a little bit when I got a little bit older and, and went to college and people were like, always told me like, you can't make movies. Like, what are you thinking? Like, that's not a real job. That's not something that actually people get to do. Um, so, you know, I listened to a little bit of the naysayers a little bit too much and took a, a responsible, disciplined, uh, business oriented field. And, and I tried that on for a little bit in college while still dabbling in theater and doing all the creative endeavors that I like to do. But at the end of the day, once I got into the professional workforce and looked at that a little bit more, I knew that wasn't for me. I, I, I knew where my true passions lied and, and, and I, I decided to pursue that career instead. And, uh, um, yeah, so there is definitely elements of it that is always there. Um, and honestly, just, I think, creative problem solving. I think it was what our, I think, junior year um, of high school when we did the Amsterdam video. Do you remember? Yeah. Um, so basically, we had a, we had a foreign, uh, foreign studies class, and, and our assignment was Amsterdam as a group, and we're supposed to write a paper on it. And I always put my hand up, and it was always the first thing I'd always say is like, Instead of a paper, can I make a movie instead? And and we really couldn't do anything. Like you know, it was it was based in Amsterdam, so we didn't know how we were going to do it. So we ended up going around Punxsutawney, pretending like we were in Amsterdam, recording it all and editing it together. And I remember there was one old guy who was uh, at fishing out by the the lake outside of Punxsutawney, and we went up to him and just like begged him to say, um, "We just look at the camera and say, I am a Dutch fisherman." And he's like, what? I'm like, just look at the camera and say, I am a Dutch fisherman. And we're like, yeah, there, see, see, there we go. We got it. Like, we're in Amsterdam. Um, and then we had, like, a, I think for, uh, a Sega game or something like that for people playing soccer. And we were sitting on the, the picnic table outside of Mr. Flex's house and pretending like we were at a big European soccer match. But, um, yeah, but, but like, little people looked little at us like, weird. People looked at us weird <laughs> in time. They drove by on their trucks. So, yeah. no, that's all right. Yeah. Yeah, but you know that that creative bug has always been there, and just a matter of finding the right time to 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 actually get out there and pursue it. And and I can vouch that there are professional jobs in 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 the entertainment industry and in the creative industry. And I think um, it's a lot more accessible now. Interesting, a Punxsutawney version. Of yeah, Amsterdam. no, it's pretty great. I wish I had that tape. I know. I, I think our friend Dan has it, so I think we got to get that. So once in Hollywood, what was the process like to break into the big budget filmmaking scene? And uh, also, could you talk about how did Radio Silence form? I know you mentioned you were in an acting class and you met um, the members there, but could yeah. you go into a little more yeah, depth so I, on that? Yeah, so again, it started with Matt and I. We were in an acting class and I met him again. It was my first day in Los Angeles. And, you know, I was just coming out from Pittsburgh, a little bit nervous to get into the whole Los Angeles acting scene a little bit. So I sat down in the back row and I sat down next to Matt. And we ended up doing a couple of scenes together that were were pretty well received in the class. And 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 then I had another friend who I was doing the Groundlings improv um, workshops with, and uh, his name's Rob. Um, so we decided all of us just to get together and work as a group and start making our own shorts. Um, the name of the group was Chad, Matt, and Rob because we're really good at naming things. Um, I'll, I'll explain the radio silence thing shortly, but like, yeah, so Chad, Matt, and Rob, and we put a lot of videos on YouTube while well, this is like 2007, 2008, 2009 ish. Um, and, and we, we did a, um, we went kind of went viral two different ways. We did, we did prank gone wrong videos where we, we pretend like we were like roommates playing a prank on each other. And then like a, something real happened. So it was like, uh, we, the first one was like aliens. So it was like 
you know, you're pretending like you're afraid of aliens and the roommates prank you. And then by the end of the video, a real alien shows up and you have to deal with that. And the other way we went viral on YouTube was by doing these interactive adventures is what we called them, but they're basically choose your own adventure narrative um, videos where you would get to the end of a video and you'd have two choices um, and they'd branch out. And one way you would go and the protagonists, which were played by us, you would die. Um, and then the other way you would continue on in the story. So it was kind of like a fun way that we got into horror because obviously with both those two videos, we, we exercised some dark sensibilities when it came to our comedy and it became of a genre thing. And when you put protagonists in situations where there's ultimate danger and sometimes they actually do die and not make it out, then you're able to like really live in that tension and build those up. Um, so from there it went to VHS, which got into Sundance. And after Sundance, we did a movie for Fox um, that wasn't very good. Uh, I won't talk about that. And then we did another independent movie called Southbound. And then after Southbound, we did Ready or Not. So we kept stepping up in budgets and kept stepping up into the more studio system. Um, and so we, you know, just completed Scream and we, we shot that one for, I think, $24 million net. And so far to date, it's uh, global box office is around $130 million. So everybody's very, very happy. Congratulations. Um, awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so it's nice having that type of like box office success. Um, but again, it all starts very, very, very personal and very raw and very intimate, you know? Like when we were done with Chad, Matt, and Rob, and the very first thing we did was the thing that got him to um, Sundance, uh, Rob decided to leave the group to pursue an, an adult job doing normal adult things, and, and we couldn't be called Chad, Matt, and Rob anymore. So we were sitting around and trying to figure out what we would be called after that. Um, there was a, me, Matt, Tyler, um, who were still working together, and we had a visual effects guy, and Justin Martinez, who worked with us and did all our early visual effects. Um, you know, so we did a lot of meetings around town where you basically go and you talk to people and you say, hey, we want to make this project. And everybody's, everybody in every meeting says, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. Let's work together. I would love to work with you. And then, you know, a week would go by, two weeks would go by, and we'd, we'd talk to each other and be like, hey, have you heard from so-and-so? And we're like, nope. Have you heard from so-and-so? Nope. Radio silence. Um, nothing but radio silence. And we're like, well, cool. Let's just, since, since nobody's calling us back, let's just call ourselves that because we'll continue to make things on our own and be our own instigators and, and be our own movers. So we'd always have that drive, right? And it'd always be a reminder that people never call you back. You have to find a way to do it on your own and get it done on your own. So we, we said radio silence and it, it, it has stuck since that, the first VHS movie. And, uh, and yeah, it's going on 12 years now, or no, 10 years now of Radio Silence. Um, and now it's a whole different entity. It's like a whole different thing. Like we have a very specific tone that we're known for. It's like genre with a, with amounts of levity and fun, you know? And I think that's something that we always focus on is how do we make sure that we're not just doing horror movies that are just, just dour and sad and depressing? Like we want to have people, we want people to have fun. Like, yes, we know it's horror. Yes, we know there's like, absurd things happening to sometimes very good people, but we want to make sure that we always have characters that we all care about. There's no disposable characters or anything. Um, and B, just make sure you have fun. Like we want to make movies with capital M's. Um, and that's always been our goal. Well, and I think Radio Silence is, you know, kind of big mainstream break. Uh, at least when I caught on recognition to you guys before I knew 
uh, there was any sort of connection between Fleck was uh, with Ready or Not in 2019. Um, I remember seeing the trailers for it and then reading really awesome reviews about it and eventually checking it out. Um, and that tone that you had mentioned is very prevalent throughout it. And I'm not I'm going to try and keep this again, keep this Norman angle here and not geek out too much uh, as like a movie nerd, <laughs> a movie buff here. But, uh, you know, I, I think that was like a really creative film. And I think the way the character uh, goes through her journey in that movie by the end, I mean, that ending is just so absurd and funny, but it like makes so much sense for the movie. Um in that I think you guys kind of now have a image uh, that everyone sees you as. So how did you guys kind of go from that to scream um, in that franchise? Um, did I, I believe it, I don't know what company owns scream, but uh, did they reach out to you guys? Did you reach out to them? How did that sort of go about? So, so yeah, so obviously we had an absolute blast with ready or not. And, and we loved everybody involved with that project our entire crew all our cast members who we still are in text chains with today. Um, Just and let me then, interrupt you real quick, Chad. One second there. I know the scene there that I, I had told them that wasn't that uh, it was at Billy Madison Pool, right? And, and yeah, that it was, was at Billy Madison Big House. movies yeah. in college that we watched on a regular basis there. So. Um, you know, lending to yourself. You said you had a lot of fun with it. You guys just decided to film the wedding scene there. So I think it's yeah. pretty cool. No, it was, it was really neat seeing like the Billy Madison house. And we were like, honestly, it was like, we were all shocked. We were all big Billy Madison fans and, and seeing that pool and deciding to open the movie with just like owning it and going right after the pool and, and using that location, which also happens to be a very popular location for Strana things. Like if you watch Nightmare Alley, it's, it's all shot there too. Like it's the same it's the same pool. It's there. There's no. It's the exact same location. So, um, and and again, it just matters how it, how you shoot it and what you you know the the point of view you're going about the location and and the overall tone of the piece to like actually give it its identity. Um, but it's it's nice seeing going from Billy Madison to Ready or Not to Nightmare Alley. You wouldn't think it'd be the same like type of house, but it but it's, it's the same house. Um, so so back to the the Ready or Not of it all. Um, I kind of. Sorry, again, I went off track. And what was the question again? <laughs> no, so I was just kind of asking how you guys went from ready or not to Scream, because I oh. think Scream definitely, it, as a horror fan, Scream definitely lends itself to the style you guys have more so than something like Halloween or Friday the 13th. But what uh, attracted you guys to it? And, you know, how did the studio reach out to you guys? Or did you guys reach out to the studio? How did that process sort of begin? Right. So that's where I was going to, with it. So with Ready or Not, we, again, we loved everybody that we made it with. And and the producers, um, uh, which is Project X and Trip Vincent, was separate, um, we became really good friends with. So we became just basically friends with everybody. Um, and then Jamie Vanderbilt, who um, was one of the producers and is a member of Project X, he's also like a, a pretty big Hollywood writer. He's written movies like Zodiac and, and The Amazing Spider-Man and, um, you know, Murder Mystery. Um, just to name a few, uh, you know, he he brought us in to this general, which was at Spyglass Media, who are the people who own the rights to Scream, and and we he set us up with a general meeting, and he called to give us a pep talk before he walked into this meeting, being like, "Hey guys, just go in there and be yourselves." We're like, "Yeah, no, that's what we do in every meeting. Like, what are you doing? Like, we don't need we don't need any advice for this meeting." Um, and then in the meeting, we found out that Spyglass was going to remake Scream, and they hired Jamie to write it. Um, so Jamie and Guy Busick, who also wrote Ready or Not, were the writers on Scream. And I remember Matt Tyler and I just being really like geeked out and really like excited that our friends were writing Scream because it's such a big, important franchise to us. Um, 
And uh, we left that meeting not even thinking that they would ask us to be a part of it. We just were like, oh, it's so cool. They're doing screen. That was a great meeting. Like, what are we going to do now? Let's go to happy hour. Um, and then on in the way to in the car, they called and they're like, so Gary loves you guys and he wants you guys to direct and, you know, produce Scream with us. And we're just like, wait, what? Um, and Scream is obviously a very pivotal movie for all of us. I mean, like Mr. Fleck can tell you, we had it on basically on loop on, on VHS tape in our college apartments because we just, you know, always had that on or Empire Records. And it was like something that was just always on in the background because, it, it you know, we loved the tone of it we loved the kills of it you know honestly we still quote Stu Mocker to this day when we talk and you know like in 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 so many different ways um but they balanced really well that horror and the comedy and the meta-ness and you know the commentary that they did for for all of like society not just horror in general but like for where we were at as as people and how movies affect our lives and everything like that um and honestly, like Scream is like one of the coolest franchises ever. And we were just like in like just a blown away and humbled by the fact that they asked us to, to do it. And and we said we weren't going to do it unless a we had a rock solid script. So we had to come in to this exact conference room to read the script on paper because they weren't sharing it with anybody because of the security protocols and everything like that. So read it for the first time in this room and it took us like four hours to read it. So Jamie kept popping his head in. He's like, what are you guys doing? Like, did we just hire people who don't know how to read, like to, to make this movie? <laughs> Cause it took us so long to, to read it, but we were just like really breaking it down scene by scene and going through it. Um, and, and just being able to like be a part of that universe. And then the second thing was we needed to make sure we had our core three back, which was, you know, Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox and David Arquette. We wanted to make sure that we continued the story and we weren't just like starting fresh with a new with new faces we wanted to make sure it lived in the lineage of what Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson created and and we could add to that lexicon and add to that story and and develop it and put, then put our own stamp on it um so we that, that that's kind of how it went down it was it was just like that it was because of our work on ready or not because of our friendship with project x because of the trust that Spyglass and then eventually Paramount gave to us. And they're like, you guys are the ones to take this forward because this is your tone. This is what you do. You get the, the you can make horror scary. You can make jokes funny. And that's exactly what we want this movie to be. And that's kind of like, that, that, that's been our calling card like almost always. I'm trying to process what you said after you mentioned Courtney Cox, because then I just kind of froze because I was like star studded. <laughs> <laughs> but um do He's you very nice by the way yeah yeah He's a <laughs> very nice great. human yeah uh-huh um i also must admit i saw the cast list for scream and i sorry i apologize i have not seen the movie yet but i know that dylan minette is part of it and he is very popular among the females my age so i'm very yeah. jealous that you got to work <laughs> with him <laughs> he is he's incredible but, we actually used one of the wallow songs at the at the end of the movie um and and honestly dylan is just he, he's he's just an incredible human being um so i'm looking forward to seeing the movie and seeing what you think of him um in the movie and and what what happens i think we are kind of getting the, near the end of our time though but uh i had a few questions uh for you just to kind of cap off the episode so the first one uh since we were talking about dylan uh, and his character uh his character being named wes in the movie was that a tribute to wes craven Yes, okay. that was a direct tribute to Wes. And we wanted to make sure we had that opportunity in the movie um, when we cheers 
um, to have all the characters say to Wes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we even, like, I don't want to give away any spoilers for the movie in case Millie end ends up seeing it, but, like, we went back into the original Scream and we got we asked Jamie Kennedy and Drew Barrymore and uh, Skeet Ulrich and Matt Lillard and and then even people from two and three and four like Adam Brody and Hayden Panettiere to like lend their voices to mm-hmm. that. So we layered all those other voices into that scene so everybody got to choose Wes Craven because Very I mean cool. t- tip of the hat tip of the hat to him he's the master of horror and, and none of us would be here without without Wes. Yeah, absolutely, I think his he's the best legacy on horror is pretty. Um, monumental, especially when you throw in the fact that he created both the Scream and Friday the 13th franchises. Um, it's bonkers. Right. <laughs> well, again, Chad, thank you so much for coming on today with us and talking with us. Uh, and before we head off, I wanted to see about the possibility of maybe a dark comedy reboot of the original Groundhog's Day with Bill Murray. And if there's a potential for Mr. Fleck to cameo, uh, as a character in it because i think that would be very cool if some punksy locals uh ended up making a reboot of that right well if it, that does ever happen mr fleck would be the perfect ned ryerson and uh and, <laughs> and i think you'd be wonderful in that role um yeah i don't know if they're gonna remake it but uh i think there should be another punks movie of a maybe of some kind so we'll see can't uh, repeat what groundhog day actually was it was kind of great yeah, it was a it was definitely a great film, but I, I would love to see some more punksy in Pennsylvania uh, residents making more uh, stuff in Hollywood. So again, thank you, Chad, so much for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate your time today. Um, yeah, of course, anytime. Happy yeah. to do it again soon. Maybe yeah, for the thank next you. One. And you guys will hopefully be done by then. That's yeah, cool. hopefully. Well, yeah. yeah. Once again, thank you. I understand for, how that works. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, and uh, that's all for the Tonight Show this week, guys. We'll be back again next week at seven. 